0: So a few members of our group shared this really great story in the Irish Times called How to Protect Your Health and Well-Being During Menopause. The article featured a woman named Katrina Courtney, and she's a registered sports nutritionist, an ultra runner, and a mother of four. She talked about the myriad symptoms she was experiencing and how she managed them as an athletic woman in perimenopause. After reading it, I was like, I have to have this woman on the show. And what a great conversation it was. We talk all about all of it. The joint pain, the fatigue, the hot flashes, the night sweats, the trouble with thermal regulation when you're out there running a marathon or running an ultra gut issues, all of it, the whole shebang from the perspective of Katrina as an athlete, as well as an expert. Katrina is the founder of Elevate Nutrition, a practice for active women who are seeking nutrition support for perimenopause, menopause, menopause, gut issues related to exercise, everyday eating, as well as race nutrition and weight management with a mindful eating and non-restrictive eating philosophy. You can learn more about her at elevatenutrition.com. That's E-L-E-V number eight nutrition.com on the web and on Instagram, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay, a few announcements. First, happy Thanksgiving to my listeners in the US. I hope that your Thanksgiving is a day filled with friends and family and great food. I also have a couple of announcements about Black Friday. A couple of our sponsors are offering Black Friday deals. First, Inside Tracker is offering a big $200 savings on their Ultimate Plan and 25% off site wide. Their Ultimate Plan is by far their most comprehensive plan for getting personalized insight into your body's well-being. You get biomarker data from your blood and DNA, as well as concrete personalized action plans filled with proven science-backed recommendations. I use it myself; highly recommend it. So, head on over to inside tracker.com slash feisty and save $200 on Inside Tracker's ultimate plan and enjoy 25% off site wide. Plus, listeners to this show get an exclusive gift of a free inner age test with the code feisty gift. So, that's inside tracker.com slash feisty. You get $200 off the ultimate plan, 25% off site wide, and use the code feisty gift for that free inner age test. That deal is running from November 22nd to November 29th. Next, we've got Prevenex. They are also offering Hit Play Not Pause listeners Black Friday deals. They are running their largest sale of the year and you can get 20% off all orders on any product, The full sale officially kicks off on Thanksgiving, that's tomorrow, but starting right now, you can use the code HIPPLAY20 for 20% off your order. Save on the products you need, and on top of that, Previnex will donate a bottle of its children's multivitamin to a child in need with every purchase you make. I have received some really great testimonials from a lot of you who, like me, are experiencing Joint pain relief and other health benefits from using Prevenex products. So, I totally encourage you to hop on this one. Visit Prevenex.com and use the code HITPLAY20 today and then the regular Black Friday coupon through Sunday, November 28th to get 20% off your entire order. That's Prevenex.com, code HITPLAY20, and keep those testimonials coming. Okay, before we get to it, quick reminder that you can find us on feisty menopause at instagram and facebook we have our private hit play not pause facebook group where you can come in and have conversations about anything that's on your mind uh, if you have ideas for the show i have an email you can hit me up at hit not pause at live and finally thank you as always for the hearts the reviews the five-star ratings we have big things planned for the new year and your support makes it all possible. So thank you. And I almost forgot, I have those podcast guides for you. So many of you have told me that you wish you had someone taking notes while you were out on your run or listening in your car. So I did. I took our three most popular episodes, Breaking Down the Science with Dr. Stacey Sims, Weighty Matters with Dietitian Diana Reed, and estrogen matters with doctors Avram Blooming and Carol Tabras. And I boiled them down into easy to use guide sheets that include the background on each guest, an overview of all the information, and clearly written action steps along with links to references. And you can get those right now. Just go to feistymenopause.com slash podcast guide to download them today. Again, that's feistymenopause.com slash podcast guide to get your podcast guide downloads right now. Okay, enough of me. Let's have a few words about our awesome sponsors and get on with the show. As listeners of this show know, we talk about some pretty uncomfortable topics. So I am stoked to have a new sponsor on board, Bonafide, who is helping women find relief from a very uncomfortable topic, vaginal dryness. As estrogen declines, those delicate tissues can suffer making everything from riding a bike to having sex uncomfortable, if not outright painful. Bonafide is devoted to helping women find solutions to symptoms like this that are related to the menopausal transition. One product that I can tell you works like a charm is Reverie. It's an easy to use vaginal insert that rejuvenates vaginal tissue and replenishes your body's moisture so you get relief from itching and burning and also greater overall comfort and improved intimacy. A few of my guests have recommended it, I have tried it, it works. Bonafide also has a host of other products, including a new probiotic supplement that is formulated to promote a healthy vaginal microbiome. You can give Bonafide products a try today. There are no hormones and no prescription is required. You just get quick, real relief. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com and use the promo code Hit play, all caps, all one word. That's hello B O N A F I D E. And the code is hit play, all caps, all one word for 20% off at checkout. And I'll also put a clickable link in the show notes. Check it out today. Like many of you, I try to eat well, train well, take the supplements I need, and track my recovery, sleep, and progress. So imagine my surprise when I found out I had elevated blood sugar, high cortisol, out of whack lipids, and was borderline anemic. Yeah, all while I was racing well and feeling actually pretty great. Turns out all of my training stress was taking a hidden toll. How did I find out? Inside tracker. Inside Tracker is a service that analyzes your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers to provide you a personalized, science based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests, and their blood tests also include biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part? They don't just give you data. They provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. And I've taken those actions myself and have been improving those markers and ultimately my health. So for a limited time, my friends at Inside Tracker are offering my listeners 25% off their entire store. So go to InsideTracker.com slash feisty menopause to take advantage of that offer. Again, it's InsideTracker.com slash menopause feisty menopause, I can tell you it works. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This is very exciting. I I found you because a few members in our, our social media channels had posted this Irish Times article how to protect your health and well-being during menopause. And I read it and I thought, my Lord, I have to have this woman on the show. You've got four kids. You're an ultra runner. You have your own sport and exercise nutrition business. like, um, And you're perimenopausal. So welcome. So, <laughs> so how did that article come to be in the first place?
1: Um Hi, Celine. And thank you so much for inviting me on. Um, and I guess how it came about is like all these wonderful things in the world now through social media and uh, the actual editor and the journalist was uh, setting up to prepare a series of articles and. I just said, well, you know, I think I'm definitely her uh, lady for this article. And uh, off I went and wrote that email and she was just really happy. I just scripted it in about an hour or so, half an hour and sent it off to her. And she was uh, really happy with uh, Geraldine Walsh. So she's an excellent journalist here in Ireland. So um, yeah, I was really happy because I suppose menopause is having its day here in Ireland. Uh, it here has too. Seen- yeah yeah and uh you know with uh the menopause awareness month uh last month i think uh they really just wanted to shine the light a little bit further on it so And then having the different angle of somebody that's kind of in a different category, they just wanted different stories um, because I suppose there's a lot of myths out there around, you know, that we're all like, um, you know, sitting around for our second spring, as as I said in the article, but (laughs) it's not that way really. You're still in your first spring. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I'm still recovering from the first spring, probably. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, uh, so just a different, Angle um, because I think everybody's story is very different and individual and um, and in my case I suppose having four still younger children I do have uh, teenagers as well uh, two teenagers but a younger two younger boys as well Um, so yeah it does give a different angle to how we can transition through this time when it's so busy and so much going on
0: no doubt so let's dive right into that because there was so much to unpack and I you know the the first paragraph is I was very miffed when my GP mentioned the word menopause just that I had given birth to my fourth child my youngest boy was born at age 43 and my first thoughts were how can I be facing menopause when I'm in the throes of nappies and the mayhem of four children under seven so when when was that like how old how old are you now
1: so I'm 50 now so that was seven years ago yeah okay and um You know, I suppose I had had my two girls in the States and we had moved back from uh, California and I had my two boys then in Ireland. And uh, I think, you know, I mean, at 43, my GP was probably just wondering, are you going to keep going? (laughs) going (laughs) And I was like, no, definitely not. And that is where I suppose menopause uh, came up because she said, you know, we are going to be looking at perimenopause and, uh, you know, that kind of timing now. And how are we going to, you know, how do I want to like think about having If I wanted to have more kids, what was I thinking about?
0: Gotcha. And did you say four is fine? Did you say (laughs) four?
1: I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, completely done. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, I, I think you know some people notice that they get symptoms earlier even into their 40s but i think i was so much in the throes of having four kids it probably was similar to perimenopause like lack of sleep and night sweats and the whole lot was probably very similar so i i would say i probably wouldn't even have noticed if i was actually in in real late stage perimenopause at that stage um but it was probably until i was 45 that i kind of started noticing some um some changes so yeah
0: Yeah, you mentioned that in the article that you that you noted that you were experiencing some, but didn't, you know, it's hard to tease it out sometimes. What were you noticing at 45?
1: Um, So being an active person and runner, um, I think one of the key things that I really started to notice was either post exercise or like say post a race or a 10K. I was probably not doing very long runs at that stage, maybe 21, like half marathons at that stage. Um, And I really noticed my, like either a sweat rate was changing or as post-exercise, I went from either being, uh, you know, just post-exercise really warm and hot and all that sort of thing to an absolute drop in temperature and almost like a cold flash. And, you know, more dizzy spells. I remember at at the end of one race, we were all kind of corralled into one spot and I was kind of standing still. And I just started getting dizzy, and I could feel my blood pressure. You know, like it was all kind of. I think down to probably maybe it's the estrogen effect and the vasodilation and all that side. But I was really starting to notice consistently that there was changes happening um, like that. Um, and I suppose the other key one then was uh, actually I had, and it was funny. You actually posted a really interesting blog yesterday on eyesight and uh that was one thing that i noticed at 45 where i started having more blood bl- uh blurry vision double vision and a real change in my eyesight now i know i was working you know part-time at that stage and a lot of screen time probably Um, and probably tiredness and all of that but still um, I think that was one of the things and even in that article that you wrote or that blog really kind of rang through to me that like yeah you know that was possibly another one of those symptoms as well around vision Um, that we don't you know these unexpected symptoms that
0: yes (laughs) you
1: just don't (laughs) expect yeah
0: yes yes yeah that no one tells you about yeah did you um did you take any action at that time that you started experiencing those things with like thermal regulation and getting dizzy like how did you
1: well I was having a background in nutrition and I'd done my master's and actually I'd covered hydration in in my uh in my master's so I did really look at my hydration actually at that particular time I really did start noticing okay well do what what did I need to change it was there something I needed to change and it was probably more around my rehydration practices. And I suppose also the simple things are even when I was finishing exercise having layers of clothes and all those sort of things you know those basic things, but more yeah. around ensuring that i was my hydration was really optimum before an exercise bout um and afterwards as well that if it was quite a warm day sweat losses and sweat rates are like, like sodium losses replacing that as well because those dizzy spells would have lasted maybe for a few hours afterwards as well so i think once i noticed all of that and i got kind of my uh either my thermoregulation and my hydration back to normal, uh, everything kind of settles down. So that seemed to work. Uh, so because you are
0: an expert in this, I'm going to ask you for specifics because like you are, you are a pro at this. So like literally what are you doing to make sure that your hydration is on point and that your post hydration is on point? We have a lot of ultra runners in our audience.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I suppose rehydration, I always kind of think hydration is like a continuum, right? So Mm -hmm. rehydration is really, I think what we're doing all the time. So we're basically, after one bout we're trying to rehydrate after that so i did do some extra sweat rate uh testing so i did want to see like how much was i losing and then how much did i need to replace so there is a rough estimate that if you lose a kg you replace it with about 1.5 liters or so of of water so okay my losses would have been around 500 or 600 which wasn't that much I, I didn't go and get you can go and get like your sa- uh, sodium tested and seeing how right. much those losses are. But I just kind of more kind of ballpark that Did you, you weigh know, yourself.
0: Is that what you were doing?
1: Yeah, I would be weighing myself before and after okay. like um, different sessions specifically so that I knew then that if I was in a race situation and obviously taking in like the environmental conditions as well. So I did get very much uh, a bit of a kind of an experiment on myself to see, you know, to make sure that I was doing all of those things right and then from day to day you know drinking water with meals that helps helps to like you know slow down gastric emptying not drinking like loads of water but making sure that when I was drinking it um that I had uh either either a little bit of salt or I had like it diluted with a bit of glucose those little things that I'd kind of learned as I went along and all of those just made sure that I was kind of staying hydrated across across the day um and i'm still doing that but like i mentioned later on in the article that i do feel like my thirst has changed a lot so it has gotten a little Mm. bit more difficult so i just add lots of uh elderflower or different you know flavors or anything like because you're not thirsty and
0: you don't feel like
1: drinking yeah Yeah. so things like teas and uh tried to cut back a little bit on the coffee but you know more of the kind of herbal teas cheers (laughs) yeah exactly i know well it's okay it's morning for you it's afternoon here it is morning okay (laughs) so you're you're fine but um yeah so those kind of really kind like you have to be really intentional at that particular like stage if you are noticing changes like that especially around um especially around rehydration and stuff like that so there would be kind of the key kind of things that I would have looked at around that
0: excellent yeah that's also so important because I think that it's easy not to notice that your thirst sense isn't as sharp Right. I mean, it's easy, like that's not something if you're not paying attention, I think it could if be if you're easy not paying to... attention.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, again, even when we talk about like even say joint health and stuff like that, it, like hydration is important as well for like synovial fluid in our joints um like you know performance is going to affect us even on our day-to-day performance at our work you know if we're going around dehydrated and if we're not just trying to stay hydrated within uh within our own days rather than even outside exercise so yeah so they're kind of like little things that they're small but they can make a big impact on how you're feeling you know
0: what um what type of ultras do you do
1: so uh the one I did in September was a well it's fifty eight kilometers, it's about sixty kilometers or so that I did and um Is that off-road? In Ireland, it's all off-road. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: running. Okay. Yep. Yeah.
1: So yep. it's it's trail running really. Yep. Yep. Um yep. Yep. the one I was in it was down in Kerry, I'm actually from there. So it's quite mountainous. Um, I don't know, marshland, but we call it bog here in Ireland. So <laughs> there's lots of bog and um it's uh, so there's a waymarked uh, trail all around that county. So it uh, the actual full ultra is two hundred kilometres. Um, I did the uh, 58 kilometer version and so you carry your own food and you carry your all your water and all your everything that you need. Um, you know there's stops there's you go through towns and stuff like that so you can have obviously your 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 bags on the way and uh, you do can refuel and all that but. Um, it's from a small town called Sneem and it finishes up in a town called Killarney and you cover lots of different trails and mountains uh, 1500 meters or so of elevation so it was beautiful it was so so nice uh, to do, to actually do it and there's re- always like great camaraderie and uh, fun, so great as we call in Ireland great crack so um, it was just those kind of trails I think out in the hills out in the mountains I think. Uh, I love personally there i mean i grew up like uh from a farming background so i was used to being out in hills and i feel i suppose most alive out on the hills um so that's uh so it's it's whenever i try and do any of those kind of events or adventure races which would have say kayaking or cycling or running all together um, they're out on uh, beautiful countryside and trails and uh, that to me is absolute joy so
0: That's, <laughs> yeah. how long have you been doing ultras
1: so that actually was uh that was my first ultra um so uh and next year i have an, a longer distance planned as well but um you know, I've been doing kind of like adventure endurance type sports for the last number of years, over the last eight or 10 years. And so, yeah. so, um yeah, so, but always out in the hills as well, did a lot of traveling and hills and in the mountains as well. So that's my. And you were uh,
0: running half marathons and such. It's not like you just became a runner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was a
1: lot of, yeah, it was a lot of road running that I yeah. would have done. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. And I think. You know as a sports nutritionist like you want to go out there and keep doing you know uh like that would have been my clientele and you're you're kind of trying to understand as well you know uh and doing little experiments yourself as well on your nutrition and your hydration and all that as well so yeah it's part of the 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 career i've chosen i think as well
0: yes so so in the in the piece in the irish times piece you mentioned that you you know you've noticed some changes Huge change in recovery time, more joint pain mm-hmm. and aches. How, mm-hmm. how are you, um, how How does that manifest and how are you trying to mitigate that?
1: So um, during actually the training for the ultra, I actually had noticed um, a lot more, I suppose like that, the joint pain and aches. I'd had like uh, shoulder problems and also a hip problem, which I'd never mm-hmm. experienced before. Um, and actually during that training block, when I was, uh, training for the ultra over like say March, April, May this year, I had really noticed like very high levels of tiredness and fatigue. Right. So I was, uh, I was kind of saying, I think, I think this ultra training is going to be too much for me. I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually manage all of this. And uh, so look, what I does mean, that I look like? Take... How
0: many, how many hours, how many, how long were you running per week? What was your training? Yeah, so,
1: you know, the longer sessions would be, you'd be out for say 35, 40 kilometers on a Saturday. So I would do a lot of my longer distances on a Saturday. And then on a Sunday, you'd maybe have a 21 kilometer or a 25 kilometer. So they'd be those back to back where you're trying to build like time on legs. volume. How many
0: hours does that take you?
1: um so they would take uh about four uh four five hours i'd say five and a half. it was actually about five hours at like 40 kilometer and then usually about two to three hours in on the okay. sunday so
0: gotcha.
1: what i found was that that next day training session i i was just finding it really really hard to get out and and to do that and, and i just did like half hours or an hour i was trying to build it up and build it up um and still obviously you know when i'm in this kind of perimenopause stage as well i'm really focused as well on my strength uh focus so trying to balance that as well um so i suppose the time and the recovery are the two kind of areas that i really found look yeah i have to really try and manage that the time that you need for training and the time uh you need for the recovery between those sessions um because i still kind of wanted to keep at least two strength sessions in there um during the week and uh i would have had like still an interval session as well during the week and i would uh always try and fit in as well a yoga session and you know you'd have a build up different types of paced runs and strides and so on as well even during the week so trying to manage that around your life can be quite um challenging but saying that uh i think uh you know i I, fueling before during and after every um every every single um session that i was doing was probably the most important thing that i was really kind of focusing on as well just to make sure that i was getting the nutrition in there i did increase my um you know liquid fluid intake like more smoothies more snacks more of that just to kind of keep my calorie uh intake up but i did kind of come to a crossroads where i felt this kind of exhaustion where i could not hardly get out of bed a couple of mornings i was so exhausted and um as i mentioned as well in the article i did talk to a menopause specialist um and um i also had uh discussions as well with dr nikki Kay, who is an endocrinologist that i would have uh say have had uh, you know experience with she uh is in the uk she would be very into the whole red side of um uh helping athletes in that specific area and relative uh,
0: energy deficiency, deficiency is that what you're talking yes about? Mm-hmm. exactly
1: yeah mm-hmm. Um, so i suppose with the menopause specialist i the key area that i kind of looked and went down there was to see okay where am i and what do i need to be doing and with um the endocrinologist side of things i took uh, some female hormone mapping um so this is her like uh, i suppose um it's where we look at your menstrual cycle and we take bloods at day 14 and day 21 And from those, then um, you can, using artificial intelligence, map out your, um, I suppose, your ovarian responsiveness is basically what's looked at. And it's looked at in relation to, in a mathematical model across, I suppose, all the other, uh, um, I suppose, figures for for, uh, hormones in that specific area and uh, i did that female hormone mapping with her but i also did uh, more blood work tests as well Um, so those two together um gave me a really good indication as to whether the reasons i was feeling so tired was it down to perimenopause uh was it down to my training load um you know these two can indicate as well whether you have enough of available energy which is really something a lot of ultra runners may experience that low energy availability mm-hmm. now saying that i would have been very conscious of my energy intake and especially around my training sessions which is really important and really maxing out on my carbohydrate intake as well so i was really staying uh aligned with that um, but, like, I think it just showed, I suppose, what I found out actually was that um, my actual iron, I was slightly in the iron deficiency. So, I was actually, my ferritin levels and my storage ferritin was quite low. Mm. and that in itself would kind of give you an indication that like that fatigue level um poor recovery um but it's it's like you know you have to almost take so many bo- boxes at this stage in your life to figure out what actually is going on you know and I think that is one of those key th- learnings that I got uh, at this stage in life is that it it's like a, having a backroom team you know that you have to like make so many investigations to really figure out what's going on
0: that's common too, though. The hepcidin, like the, the you know, yes. there's a. Yeah, there it is. The-
1: yeah, with the hepcidin um, and the inflammatory responses is quite common. Uh, I suppose foot strike as well, loss of, uh, of iron in your blood and um, uh, your sweat, sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're having heavier periods, you know, all of that can, I suppose, has a big impact as well and but the hepcidin and that inflammatory response actually um and i think especially when we are in this perimenopause and menopause stage like iron deficiency is probably more common as well and uh, a lot of it could be down to that inflammatory like that's uh, because the hepstin goes up and our iron absorption or absorption goes down um, so, uh, especially with those higher inflammatory, uh, responses. So yeah, it was a, a bit of a learning curve as well to kind of understand that. Um, and, uh, you know, then having to address that because obviously it has big impact on your performance, huge, like how, huge. I mean, I, I remember I went out, uh, with, um, the local tri club, it was out on trail uh, trail running and we were going at a nice pace. But like I was out of breath and I was feeling, OK, I can't even keep up with my teammates here, you know, out on a trail. So um, and I was my volume of training was quite high at that stage. So um, it can be really significant. And you do really start second guessing at this stage of your life as well. What is going on? You know, Um, so this is where I think it's always really important to look under the hood and see. You know, there are many angles that we have to go down um, when we are like when we're in the stage of life as well, uh, just to investigate what is happening as well. Um, and even getting the iron stores back up can be quite difficult as well. How did you do
0: the- that? I was going to ask, like, what was the plan of action then?
1: Um, so, again, I, I did take some supplementation. Um, and again, it's the timing of that is really uh is it's, it can be quite difficult because your Hepstan increases uh as you go on throughout the day say I would have done a lot of my training in the morning and say a lot of my iron foods say if there were red meats or whatever would be later on in the day so I ended up actually um taking my supplement late at night um and every second day actually helps as well um with the um with the actual absorption of the iron and I did increase my um my red meat intake so i would have been maybe a one to two day max uh red meat intake so i did increase um my uh, my red uh, meat intake to two to three days at least um so that helped along the way and then just pairing foods like having um you know like stuffed red peppers with black beans and and ground meat you know just combining the vitamin C foods um I switched out say my I would eat oatmeal in the morning I switched out to a fortified cereal and would have had that with a vitamin C orange juice um you know dark chocolate has a little bit of (laughs) iron in there with my strawberries so you know just constantly just kind of looking at options and pairing foods as well to just really maximize over those because it can take you know it could take like uh depending on, on people, but it can take up to four to six or eight weeks to even get your stores back up. I think I was quite borderline; my figures were borderline. Um, so um, I, I managed to get it back up after about five weeks or so um, and made a huge difference. Um, but you yeah. It is. So oh, definitely. Without doubt. Yeah, without doubt. Um, I, I think um you know even my my paces and recovery made a big difference as well um and um you know low, low iron you know can have big impact on your bone health as well or it can, it has so many ramifications as well so you have to be really conscious of iron as always as female athletes we need to be but i think especially in this stage as well um so yeah mm-hmm. it's 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 one of those things
0: It's amazing listening to you talk because I have written about this a hundred times and now I'm watching a human being saying how (laughs) it worked for them. And I'm just like, that is, that's just, it's, my heart is kind of swelling here. I'm like, wow, I wrote all about that and look, it works, you know, because I, it does.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it does. And, um, I I often think we're like our own little experiments here, but saying that it's, um, yeah you just have to be like I keep going back to really intentional around you know if say you're looking at say bone health or if you're looking at your iron stores or if you're looking because your sleep is disrupted so anytime we have to kind of uh, when those things are happening to us in this kind of perimenopause and menopause days we have to be really intentional um to make those small changes or those changes to 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 make a difference so Lots of learning, and, and
0: I want to circle back because you had mentioned your shoulder and your hip, and you're having some pain mm. there. Did that resolve, mm. and how did that resolve?
1: Um, again, like at the backroom team of having your physio <laughs> and doing your own lots.
0: I of imagine you opening that door behind you and you having <laughs> your whole team.
1: <laughs> like... I wish I, I've just got a team of kids behind me, but um, but no, it's uh, it's just your like your. You know having those people that you rely on and those experts like you know my physio is really excellent um but also you know just being really conscious and of your strength and conditioning and you know I did make sure like that I had lots of anti-inflammatory foods um you know healthy fats the omega-3s and the olive oils and I started taking some tart cherry juice as well post-exercise and for sleep as well so you know I I, basically anything that I have any knowledge on you know you really try and put it in into place um and also I think that timing around my post-exercise as well um nutrition really helps as well with repair and restoration um so like you know there's those kind of things done consistently um and they did actually resolve themselves and I actually ended up with my hip taking a full two weeks off I think it was two and a half weeks where I did absolutely no running I did a bit of heel walking but no running I actually couldn't run and I actually think the rest and recovery did me the world of good so I I think that actual time without having um any extra miles I i had reached you know probably uh my training load um and obviously like i did it at a really good pace and i was really happy with the race so that rest and recovery i think we just really need to have more of that in there but um i was kind of had to take it and i was quite upset about having to take it but saying that it definitely was a benefit
0: you hear that a lot. You hear that mm-hmm. actually a lot. The body says, you know, I could really use some downtime. And yeah. the brain goes, I don't want to give you downtime, but then you end up yeah. having to, and it's a good thing.
1: Like, Yeah, it's, yeah. just when yeah, I got yeah. my iron stores sorted, my, my muscular <laughs> side of things started to break down. But besides that, everything worked out on the day. So that was all good. That's
0: yeah. what matters, right? Mm-hmm. That is yeah. what matters.
1: Let's talk
0: protein. As you've heard a million times on this show, women in the menopause transition need more of it. As estrogen declines, it's harder for us to make muscle and we need to take in more protein to get the job done. If you're training hard, you need even more, a lot more, two grams per kilogram per day, which for me is about 120 grams. Some days it's a challenge to get through meals alone. So it's nice to have powders on hand when you need them. And if you're looking for one that is low in sugar, high in branch chain amino acids like leucine, which is especially good for muscle protein synthesis or making muscle, and is easy on your belly, our sponsor Prevenex has a good one, Norify Plus. Norify Plus is a vegan protein powder, which I know a lot of our listeners are keen to find, and is also super rich in all of your branch chain amino acids and contains probiotics and digestive enzymes, so it's easy to digest, and doesn't cause the gassy feeling that you get with many other protein powders, which is something that I know a lot of women are interested in as well. Nurify has more than 130 positive reviews, including one from Hip Play Not Pause listener, Donna, who gave it five stars saying, I just made my second shake with the chocolate vegan protein supplement. It is delicious. I love that it has vitamins and branched chain amino acids. I think this will become my go-to protein powder. Thanks, Donna. So listeners of the show can get 15% off their first time purchase by using the code HITPLAY at checkout. Again, go to Prevenix.com, use the code HITPLAY at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. If you don't like it, the company offers a 100% money back guarantee on all of the products within 30 days, no questions asked. So again, use HITPLAY, all one word, all caps at checkout, for 15% off your first time purchase at Previnex, P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com. You did mention in the in the piece that you adjusted your training. So the frequency is greater, but the volume is lower. What does
1: that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that now that we're like, I'm kind of finished with like for this time of the year. So you're not training for an
0: ultra right now.
1: No, yeah. no, no. And, you know, even that has changed before I would have been doing lots of different events Now, obviously, COVID has made a huge difference as well to the number of events. But I would have signed up for lots of different races that were going on. Whereas now, I am definitely in the mindset that I have like one big goal race each year and that I really focus a block around that because when you're, I think, an ultra or if you're into endurance, at this stage, I'm very conscious of my bone health. And I'm very conscious of making sure that I have. enough of time that I can fit in my strength training consistently throughout the year so I'm definitely in a you know three times a week doing some strength work um you know i'm still fitting in some yoga um and HIIT training as well doing all those things just to make sure that i'm i'm staying on top of maintaining muscle mass helping with my bone health um and then i will have a block uh from about probably march april o- onwards where i would be definitely you know it'll be more endurance driven but um it's just having you know those shorter time blocks during the week where I can fit it in and it works better I think with my family and business and everything as well at the moment Mm -hmm. so there's those kind of like yin and yang that you're trying to balance when you're trying to do endurance and keep strength going um but uh I'm definitely in the season of building strength at the moment um because you know 50 to 52 we do see big drops in um bone mass if we're not intentionally even active women see bone loss if we're not doing the right amount of strength and resistance and multi-directional work and all of that sort of thing so yeah very conscious of that as well and I suppose in my own side as well, I had about a year where I did not have my period when I was in my twenties. So, Mm. um, and I had HA, hypothalamic amenorrhea, which I didn't know at the time. So that would be considered a risk factor then for, you know, bone mineral density as well. And so I have had like a DEXA scan as well. Done just to make sure that my- Is everything okay? everything is great everything is like yeah really good um so no issues there and i wouldn't have you know any genetic you know i wouldn't have a genetic link so my risk factor that would be one my one main risk factor but it's right. really important people know their risk factors you know but and at the time i didn't even realize that that was an issue way back in the 90s That totally yeah so and, and i'm sure there's lots of women out there as well oh, yes. that we're going through that you know yes. so it is an important one that we have to look back over those years as well and see you know what are those risk factors but so it's something me personally i'm very conscious of uh bone health um that we're taking note of that as well
0: yeah yeah we what kind of resistance training do you do
1: so, um, right now, I am doing um you know general body weight, doing um hand weights and then um barbell as well, so I've just started doing that, and um then I do like a kind of a hit kind of boot camp session, which is you know about a thirty five minute session, but still body weight kind of circuits as well um here. So unfortunately, it was a lot of like online, but only in the last probably maybe two or three months, two months, I think three months that gyms are open. So mm-hmm. um back into the gym and doing some of that. But I would like to, you know, that lifting heavier, I, that is like progression is really important. So I'm, I'm working on that. And even in the last two years, I've noticed I've actually gotten stronger in the last two years. So that makes like- Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. yeah. And I think even the enjoyment of that and knowing and feeling stronger to me is um, I mean, why I, I, why I work out and why I want to kind of keep doing this um, for as long as I can, you know, it's just a really nice feeling. So
0: 100 percent, 100 percent. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So uh, pivoting a little bit, um, you you also wrote a blog post about the lessons you learned from marathon training that I read and I thought was really interesting. And it does dovetail with some of these issues because you talk about nerves and being the queen of nerves, I completely understand. <laughs> um, but but that that those nerves, those butterflies, though they are potential energy, they can also kind of wreak havoc if you are also someone who has exercise-induced GI issues, right? Like these things can be kind of And because GI issues also become more common in the menopausal transition, like this can be a real, I don't want to say shit show, but I might as well say it. Um, You know, I think our audience could really benefit from hearing um, some strategies for coping with, with all of this, especially, especially the runners because it's unforgiving, you know, like that's, with the mechanical jostling, it's so hard anyway. And then you add these layers, like, can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so and I think even too, like in the perimenopause stage, even without, you know, having any of these functional gut issues like IBS or e- either of those like perimenopause tends to have women having more bloating and more constipation or more of these gut issues, uh, which again, it seems to be down to transit is- issues and changing in, in our gut uh, down to the changing oestrogen. So we have to contend with that as well. And, um, you know, when I do look, and I do work a lot a lot with um, like active women and athletes in that specific area, I personally just have a lot of nerves before. Oh, events. I do too.
0: I do too, I'm a I maniac. Mean, I'm just, oh, I'm not okay.
1: Yes. Yes, <laughs> yeah, not okay, definitely not. Um, and again, it's getting your strategies before events like that. So I often think that once you know, like, having it all mapped out and the timing of your day and the timing of your event and knowing what you're eating at what particular time um, and having it for me is always the most simplest I, I, I remove like I don't uh, drink any caffeine or any coffee or anything like that. My nerves are enough already. And having, you know, like that. Ca- like a calm time what i have actually found which is really good for ca- calming those kind of anxious moments as things like meditation or listening to uh you know something music or anything like that before an actual event but around the food side i mean i would definitely look at the habitual diet so your day-to-day diet can have a big impact on gi issues so usually when i have clients coming in to me um with gi issues we're going to look at What's happening on the day to uh, day day to day issues or day to day intakes, and we are always going to be kind of if it's related to constipation, like it could be down to fiber or uh, hydration or caffeine, you know these uh, stress management, all of those different ones. Um, but then at the habitual diet, we're kind of looking at you know where are your fermented foods um plant-based foods all of those can all be beneficial to the day-to-day gut so it's always kind of looking even that far back as well and kind of seeing how is your day-to-day and your baseline diet and then what has like like anything else I think gut training becomes a big part as well so that we do really have to be on on top of like when we are out there training for an event that we have had at least five to eight sessions where we're really focusing in on our um our event nutrition Um, so that's that pre-exercise but also looking at even the the hours beforehand as well or if there's any trigger foods in there as well and i know it's very hard to kind of match your your training nutrition with like a competition day um and that's where we kind of look maybe at like lower residue foods days before or you're looking at lower fodmap foods maybe it's 24 to 72 hours beforehand but again it's understanding what those foods are for you and sometimes it's kind of maybe removing those within the 24 to 74 72 hours before an event and like, sometimes they're the simple ones, like, you know, either like garlic or onions or lactose, wheat based, you know, people that started eating loads of pizza the night before. And, you know, that in itself can be a big trigger. And it's not even like it's not about going on like a gluten free diet or anything like that, because it's it's these fermentable carbohydrates that can kind of just over time, um, the load can build up as well, but um, it's just trying to see are there specific those ones that are real triggers and looking at those um, and and then reducing like the amount of fibre all of those the days before. Um, Because I think sometimes we can look just like the few hours before an event. But it's that 24 to 72 hours beforehand can make even a bigger impact. And even things like our hydration and back to hydration again, but that itself can have big, um, like if we're going in, even in moderately de- dehydrated, that can have an impact on your gut issues as well. So like, it's it's kind of looking from way back to the kind of baseline of what you're doing and that you're kind of maintaining that gut microbiome and maintaining that good gut health and then working in closer to the days and events, training as we go along with the foods that we want to take in. And look, I mean, it just seems, it's often we can tolerate maybe one gel but once we go beyond a certain level um so that's where uh really being conscientious say if you're two or three hours say out on the bike that you're fueling as you would on an event day as well Mm -hmm. with the same number of gels and the same number of foods that you're trying to eat as well um so it's so individual it's usually just um either like a process of elimination or finding out what those triggers are for you and then trying to work through different types of food types as well that we're still trying to aim to get enough of carbs in there for energy wise and a balance of a little bit of protein and fat as well in there as well um so it's 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 usually just a trial and error that we kind of have to do and unfortunately there isn't one fix that i can no. say for everybody but it um um but you know you can have some great success with it like once it's put into a plan and you strategically like look at specific areas as you go along and it it can work um really well so um but yeah it's putting the time into it as well unfortunately as well so yeah
0: yeah i know that it's very important and and so many people don't do that and it's practicing your nutrition is so Mm -hmm. important
1: yeah 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 um and you know the the uh like you know monash university have lots of new like research coming out on it uh, and all of that and and i do think ultimately it is the gut training that really we have to just put the time into that because you know, even uh, like fructose, if that's really high in some products, that can be a really big trigger. Women may notice it more than men, and mm-hmm. our transit times may be slower as well. Like all of those things, so it just you know like it could be that in itself and looking at labels and seeing where are like what type of carbohydrates are in there um and what triggers are in there as well so it's kind of just a, a trial and error like i mentioned before yeah yeah
0: yeah 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 I am. This is a little off topic, but I noticed that you did a little experiment with caffeine gum. And I'm just oh, curious. Yeah. I'm just curious about that because I get super tired of all the sugar energy foods. Yeah. Too, and you're yeah. out there yeah. for a very long time and sometimes yeah. caffeinated snacks are not what I want. So what how yeah. did that work for you?
1: Yeah, actually, you know, and you know, the research is quite good on caffeine gums um, in that, uh, especially around, say, either time trials or a cycling. Actually, there's been quite a lot of research done on on them. Um, And again, it's it's um, a faster hit as opposed to like caffeine usually takes the 25, 30, 45 minutes, you know, whereas um, because, you know, um, it's basically absorbed through the mucus in the mouth um, that it actually speeds uh, the delivery up much faster to about 15, 20, 15 minutes, about 10, 15 minutes um and again it's like if you were running or cycling like chewing you know you have to just be used to chewing the gums you know but they do have they have shown like a three to four percent increase in performance say in um like time trials and intervals um in cyclists and also in longer endurance as well so, um, can be quite beneficial. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was testing them out, um, on, um, say the marathon training. Um, and again, it just gave you that, uh, like you know, it, they can be minty flavored, just like just mm-hmm. like mint chewing gum. So um, now there hasn't been like really, I suppose, unless now uh, the last review I looked at was in 2018. But um, the the actual uh, gums uh, on say gut issues, or whether they stop you from having gut issues or not, I don't think that research right. has been done. But saying that um, they they do give you the same like either cognitive benefits and performance benefits as well so they're definitely worth trying out um i think anyway um again with caffeine you're like either a responder or a non-responder and You know again um you just have to be careful around sleep which we're always trying to preserve as well so but if you're looking for that alternative to the sugar uh sugar hit from the caffeine gels yeah i would definitely say they're worth a try out um usually about 200 or 300 milligrams are it's a similar you know Mm. dose than your regular caffeine um, and it's usually usually taking one or two of the gums, um, like 15, 20 minutes before, say you really feel you need it, maybe later on in, in a race or like either beforehand. They've done protocols where like either 45 minutes beforehand and then take another one, like 10 minutes before like a time trial or intervals, um, It can be really beneficial as well to performance. Um, so yeah, definitely worth the try, I think Celine, if you're, yeah. yeah.
0: Or later on in your event, right? Like when or you later were... on
1: in your event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I used, um, actually, I didn't use gums now in my ultra, but I did use caffeine later on. And again, I mean, I was questioning myself whether I would use it again, whether, you know, the gut, whether my gut was going to, you never really know, <laughs> you know whether it is gonna stay okay. Um, and once I kind of felt everything was sitting really well, I was eating regular food. Um, then, uh, you know, about two hours towards the end, um, if you're hitting like hills or, you know, you just want that extra pep, um, caffeine can be super helpful, even for cognition, you know, when you start seeing <sighs> double. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so let's talk a little bit because there's another, um, I think this came up in the Irish Times piece and and it comes up so often in our mm-hmm. audience, the, the stress, the worry, the anxiety piece. I thought mm. that was super, super interesting. You know, you mentioned that you're someone who is whitewater rafted down, I'm not sure what that river is. What is the the...
1: Zambezi? I know. Yeah.
0: Where is that river?
1: <laughs> that is actually in Zimbabwe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like I, we went on on a yeah, a trip for like a four I think it was three or four weeks, yeah. Um and uh I was like I'm not a, a good swimmer. I mean I've really only started kind of in the sea swimming this year. So when I think of it, and even things like doing bungee jumping, I would have been the first to the platform, I would be right there, (laughs) ready to go. And like you said, that anxiety and stress, I suppose, you know, with any stress, it's how we respond to it. And I definitely feel and notice that my response (laughs) has changed. Um, And um, like, even, you know, I remember one day I was out walking with the kids and it was like on a cliff walk and i had the greatest fears ever that one of them was going to fall throughout the entire um i think was about an hour and a half two hour hike and i said i'm never doing that again and it's just those things that can kind of man it can manifest a little bit like that you know um uh so um You know yeah it is it 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 is one of those things where you are like you feel you have always been fearless um and courageous and uh it is a slight worry that are you changing even your own personality as well that that's part of you and has that changed or is that changing um so um I mean like i suppose i've addressed it like i've mentioned before like I, I meditate now i definitely get back to my breath um i definitely try and use calming techniques i spend a bit more time where i have eight or ten minutes to just chill back and get myself back to to uh baseline you know um and i suppose there's lots of different tools i do notice when like say if my sleep is off for some reason that stress that kind of anxiousness is a little bit um greater so i just am conscious of that um and um you know i mean i suppose around like brain like you start worrying then about you know mood and all that sort of thing especially like pre-menstrual as well seems to feel a lot worse as well so um again um that is you know you really kind of just have to i suppose address either like whether i just make sure my nutrition is is, is on par like plenty of fruit, vegetables vitamin c has been kind of related as well to mood um side of moods uh, and um you know just getting out there into kind of having downtime and a bit more rest, I think definitely helps with the, that kind of level of change that's happening. And like our brain is in transition. They keep telling us. So, and I really noticed this, you know, so it's trying to address yeah. that. Yeah no,
0: yeah, no, no, no. I, I, it, it comes up a lot and, and there's no magical answer, but all these things you're talking about help, you know, like taking yeah. care of yourself and giving you like, I was actually talking to Rebecca Rush, who is a woman I mountain bike stage raced with for a long time. And she is also very into meditation now. And she considers it an integral part of her training because it helps her mm-hmm. mind calm down on demand is how she yeah. how she puts it, which I thought was yeah. a really interesting because, you know, because she's still out there. She's not barreling down mountainsides quite the same way as we were, but she's still out there doing some yeah. risky things. And she's like, I need to train my mind and my body to be calm when I need them to be calm yeah and when you yeah. when you spend time every day sort of doing that practice you know it's easier to mm-hmm. access that so yeah I thought that was yeah. really interesting
1: yeah no that's it's 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 fascinating really and i, I think once we kind of can get back to the breath or the things that we can control yeah, um, yeah. rather than our racing mind and our thoughts um, then then i think we're on to something for sure and and you know, I mean, brain health, uh, like I, I was going to ask area. about
0: brain health because you bring yeah. it up that you're experiencing yeah. some of that fog and forgetting names and dates. And um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Like and, cognitive... you, and yeah,
0: it's mm-hmm. worrying some, especially you have some uh, family, family history in, of dementia. Yeah, Like yeah. both
1: my parents um, had some form of dementia now well into their 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. um, saying that um, it is there so like you have to kind of take note of it and i do notice um like sometimes i especially notice like say post ovulation or like uh like i mentioned again that premenstrual time where like that lack of focus and trying to stay focused can be a little bit more difficult and where the multitasking or switching from different um you know different topics or different uh, different um like when i'm working i kind of really have to stay focused on the two or three things and work through those rather than like what the mad multitasking and like with four kids i think i am constantly multitasking anyway that's going on um but like taking that to your own level as well and trying to manage that um like i like i take um like I'm very much food forest focused, but I do take creatine, um, which I really find for my cognition and for my own brain health that it has or does make a difference. Um, I There's mean, interesting I think,
0: research on that.
1: There um, is, yeah, yeah, there really is. Um, and uh, even around, like say mood but also cognition as well and um, i think like the female brain seems to have less creatine kinase in there so i and i think as a supplement for women in perimenopause and menopause, if you're trying to build strength as well, it seems like a no brainer, but it seems like a good balance of if it is helping somewhat with cognition and brain. Um, you know, there's research around um brain trauma where it can be of benefit yes. as well. So it it seems to be a good natural fit, um, like especially for me as well, when I'm kind of feeling and I do notice that uh when i'm consistently taking it um that it does make a big difference to my cognition as you know uh levels as well so and even if it is helping in this transitional time as well um for later on i mean there isn't enough research there but um and i guess that was one of the things i did talk to my menopause specialist about like i mean what should i be taking hormone therapy um as a preventative measure and i suppose there isn't enough research there for us to say right now um that that's and she wouldn't be able to prescribe it specifically as a preventative measure anyway as what she said to me Um, but um you know there it's early days but there's lots of amazing research coming out from dr lisa moscone and all the, that side of things so i do see like in four or five years time we may stay have tuned i'm
0: gonna have her on the show at some point oh
1: yeah. are you oh my goodness yeah she's amazing yeah i've, I've seen her speak in, in a couple of summits and conferences and uh and her book is excellent so uh i do um definitely see that in in the next four or five years if you have even that genetic link there may be something that we can be doing about it so um yeah but you know right now it's kind of anything to do with brain health like do they say what's well, good for your heart it's good for your brain so you know that kind of mediterranean style mind diet you know keeping lots of food vegetables um in there um and um i suppose really kind of that community support, learning, all of those new things, like trying to include as much as that as possible. Like I'm learning to sea swim. Like I went out and started playing soccer with a group of women, you know, like there a couple of years ago. So anything that I think uh, new and different, I think is really good for the brain as well. So I think we just need to be in that kind of, learning mode continuously as well as much as possible we can stay in doing the things we love doing like our running or our biking but it's good to try and do something different even as a hobby you know
0: that's why there's so many studies on dancing um and it's it's because of that like it's engaging everything and it's it's physical but it's uh it's mostly very good for your brain and i've written about the mind diet there was actually just some research on that recently that i wrote on i'll put a link in the show notes because
1: yeah, it, it yeah. has
0: been, you know, and a lot of that's the anti-inflammatory properties and all the good yes. flavonoids yeah. and everything else. It's flavonoids, so yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The carrots and the colorful fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Just keeping a good eye on those as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those kind of things. And I think the plant based diets really kind of ha- can be really beneficial for the brain as well. So and the heart. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's those things, you know, we're just kind of being intentional again about those and making sure that we're kind of. Hitting those benefits as well are always important.
0: It's been such a delight talking to you. (laughs) Is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to convey to our audience?
1: Um, No, not really. I think um, without doubt, uh, I think us women need to keep, uh, uh, I suppose, debunking those myths of what a woman in perimenopause and menopause is and us performance minded women are here in ireland and all over the world so we're ready to take it all on as well you know so uh again it's finding what works for us um and you know learning as much and having the knowledge and then putting it into place around our own symptoms and making sure that you know we're being proactive as well. We have to continue to be just proactive as well around, uh, our health and nutrition at this time as well. So yeah, I think that's kind of us really <laughs> good enough for
0: us. Thank you so much for your time. It's been, it's been super great. Well, that's our show. Join me next week when I sit down with the legendary Jeannie Wall. She's an elite climber, runner, skier, and an advocate for women's empowerment. She wrote one of the best pieces on menopause as an athlete I have ever read on outside.com earlier this month, and she has a wealth of insights to share. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty.